Yo, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Redemption Church Podcast with Pastor Khalid. Now get ready for a word that is guaranteed to bless you and guide you throughout this upcoming week. So as always out there, thank you for tuning in. Take care, God bless, and enjoy. I'm going to go ahead and dive into our message today. Man, we are in a series right now called Who You With? And if you've been enjoying this series, just make some noise real quick. If you've been enjoying this series, Who You With? Um, who You With is a question, for those of us who are not familiar with this colloquial term, it is a question that we all must answer, be it formally or informally, and it, it charges us to think about who we rolling with who we represent, who we uh, say we identify to claim. Uh, for, for example, I'm representing my HBCU, Norfolk State University. I represent them. Uh, we did a shout out. Those who went to Snyder, Southside, Harding, whatever else, that's your way of saying who you went. Now, I'm going to pause real quick, and I'm going to appeal to, to a small group of individuals. It's some Concordia cadets who were like, yo, you never shout us out. Uh, so if, if you were to Concordia, for Concordia uh, who you at Concordia, where y'all at? There you go. <laughs> hey, he loud and proud by himself in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. So, so who you with? It's a question that we all must answer as we navigate purpose. Because one of the things that we've understood, one of the things that's been revealed over and over again in the series, Jamisha, is that the people that we are connected to, we often give them permission, intentionally or unintentionally, to contribute or co-sign on our purpose. So it could be not that you're not trying to strive for purpose. It's not your mindset. It's not the enemy. It's not where you came from. It's not the color of your skin. It's not your age. Sometimes it's the people that you allow to have influence over your life. We have been using this term called community. It's, a, it's on the screen here. Community, it is the people we're connected to who contribute to God's purpose and plan for us. Now, keep in mind, I've said this every week for the first five installments, every connection, every contribution is not a healthy one. Amen. Every connection, every contribution is not a positive one. So we must be mindful to know who is who in our lives and respond accordingly. Again, pop quiz, we have pushers and we have who? Pullers. The pushers are the ones who take time intentionally or unintentionally to push us towards what God has for us. Now, the tricky part, Lamar, is every pusher ain't a pusher. Some pushers try to push too much that they end up pulling you away from purpose. Protection can be a crippling method, even with the best intentions. So the pullers in our lives, be it intentionally or unintentionally, unintentionally, excuse me, are the ones who pull us away from what God has for us. Last week, we spoke from the subject, access denied. Uh, Tony, it was a message that empowered some of us to think about those individuals without the credentials without the credibility that we've placed in our circle. Please know that your community and your circle is not the same. Everybody in your community is not in your circle, but everybody in your circle is a part of your community. And one of the things that I took time to make the distinction last week is that uh, you, you have assignments and you have allies. Assignments often feel like allies, but allies, there's a mutual understanding. 
meaning that I am mutual. We are mutually invested in each other in our well-being. An assignment, it's often unreturned or uh, not reciprocated, meaning that if I'm not careful, a person who's an assignment I'm responsible for can feel like a friend even though they're not. So I can trust you with information and vulnerability that you're not equipped for because you're an assignment and not an ally. Then we talked about what makes an ally an ally. The people in our circle, uh, individuals in our circle, they can handle us in our painful moments. They can see us in those vulnerable spaces. These individuals, they also can be trusted to see us walk in purpose. They don't become jealous. They don't become envious. They embrace all aspects of our identity. And last but not least, the individuals in our circle, they're not afraid of a little persecution. Uh, It it never gets too hot for them in the kitchen. They're not afraid of a little beef. They're not afraid of you talking about me. In fact, it empowers us. It makes us stronger. You got an issue with him, you got an issue with me, and I ain't going nowhere. Those are the individuals in our circles. And we're going to look at another passage today, a passage that I think is very unique in nature because it requires us to think differently about how and when to move on from certain people. (laughs) I ain't even gave the title yet. (laughs) I know y'all ready though, let's go. We're gonna look at Acts chapter 15, I love y'all man. (laughs) We're gonna look at Acts chapter 15 verses 36 to 41 man and it reads as follows. After some time Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Then he traveled throughout Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches there. Now, I want to zero in on verse 37 and 38 real quick. said, Barnabas agreed, we're going to go back. We can go back and check on these folks, but I want to bring John Mark with me. Verse 38 says, Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. Listen to 39. These are two men of God, two pillars in the faith during that time, two individuals who are building and strengthening the church. And verse 39 says their disagreement was so sharp that they split. They separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas. Today, we are speaking from this subject, no hard feelings. No hard feelings. Ladies and gentlemen, I always want to set the stage for our learning. Uh, No hard feelings is an idiom that we have thought about using or have used. And if we haven't thought about using or have used it in a conversation, we have demonstrated that. Nay, nay. No hard feelings is an idiom to suggest this, that while we are no longer rocking on the same level to the same degree, while or our relationship has severed altogether, we are departing on good terms. I don't have any issue with you. I don't have any beef with you. I'm not going to talk about you. I'm not going to put your dirt out there. It's just for whatever reason, our circumstances have shifted to where the dynamics of our relationship can no longer be the same. 
And the end is not the beginning of a new beef. The end is just the end. When I see you at Glenbrook, I'll say what up. <laughs> if I see you at BJ's, I'll say what up. And I'll ask about how the family is doing, and I'll mean it genuinely. I don't mean it as a formality. I don't mean it to be cliche. I genuinely care about you and your well-being, even if we don't rock the same. If we are honest with ourselves, the majority of our relationships that have changed or have ended altogether, it ended on this note because of these four reasons. One, the passage of time. We had a rhythm. We had a routine chip. There were things that we used to do every Friday, every other Friday, every Thursday, every other Thursday, once a month, and then we missed one. And then one turned into two and two turned into three. And before you know it, uh, we haven't connected with each other in years. Again, it wasn't that you did something to me or, or, or I did something to you. Life happened and conceptually we agreed there's no hard feelings. And then there are the priorities. We got the passage of time and then there are priorities. My priorities have shifted and they are different from yours. What I value in life now does not align with what we once valued together. I'm a whole married man and you single trying to teach me or show me how to still be single. We can't rock. I still love you. You're my dog. When I see you, I see you. I'll show you love. In fact, I'm going to invite you to church. I'm going to pray that God delivers you from whatever it is that you're trying to do or wrestle with. But, but no hard feelings, but my priorities have changed. And then there is perspective. We got the passage of time. We have priorities. And then we have perspective. The way I view the world not what I desire from the world, but what I view of the world, it has changed. My, my, my desires is one thing, but what I think about the desires that I have is another. And then the fourth one is a problem has happened. Passage of time, priorities, uh, perspective, and then a problem that has allowed us to have a conversation and say, look, let's agree to disagree. There is something that has transpired. There is something that has happened that we can't uh, function in the same capacity anymore. This problem, there's no reconciliation because of the problem. Now we got to go our separate ways. We see here in this particular passage a combination of these things. And I want to reassure you, as we look at Acts chapter 15, I want to go back to Acts chapter 13 to better understand what has led up to this problem this clashing of perspective, a shift in priority. In order to appreciate Acts chapter 15, we got to go back to Acts chapter 13. Rather than reading to you, may I narrate this morning? Acts chapter 13 is the beginning of an amazing journey. We open up in Acts chapter 13, verses 1 through 4. Jamisha, we see that there are a few brothers convening together, and they are worshiping God. They are praising God. They are encouraging each other in the spirit. They are fasting with each other. And, and, and all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit reveals among these group of guys, there's about five of them, that Paul and Barnabas should be released to go on a mission trip to share the good news. So these men get this collective message and they come together, A.B., and they say, okay, the Holy Spirit says, don't just send them, but lay hands on them. Lay hands on them. So, so Saul, and by the way, if I say Paul and Saul, they're the same person because scripture uses them interchangeably within this context. So don't get confused. So Saul and Barnabas, they received the laying of the hands and the Holy Spirit says around verse four, five, that they were then released to go begin their work. This was Paul's first mission trip. 
There's this first one. And so, so they all get together, and the Bible says something interesting. So Paul and Barnabas, they have been released by the Holy Spirit, and the Bible indicates that there is a young man with them by the name of John Mark. Paul and Barnabas were released, but the Bible says that John Mark assisted them on their journey. Mm. Only two of them were appointed to go by the Holy Spirit, but one was elected to join them, John Mark. That's very important in this story. Very important in this story. So John Mark, Paul, Barnabas, they head to Cyprus. Man, they, they land on this island called Cyprus, Tanya, and, and, and they go from town to town. And eventually, while spreading the good news, they meet a sorcerer, a false prophet by the name of Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus has the ear of the governor. But the governor also has an ear to hear the good news that Paul and Barnabas are sharing. So the sorcerer intervenes and he says, look, you don't need to invite them. You don't need to invite them into your space, into your domain. You don't need to have them in this space. The sorcerer is trying to shut down the governor receiving the good news. And Paul gets worried about it. Paul is a goon. He shows up and was like, yo, bro, where are you putting your name? Um, this is the Kali translation. <laughs> this is not biblical language here. I want to make that very clear. So, yo, bro, why, why, why are you talking ill about our God? He says, look, you son of the devil. He rebukes him, and then he says, you will not have your sight for a time being, for a time, an extended period of time. And the Bible says that slowly his vision faded away. He lost sight, and he was grabbing, reaching for other individuals to be guided. He became blind for a season. It was through this that Paul and Barnabas were able to share the good news with the governor, and the governor was amazed. Ladies and gentlemen, Acts 13 is the impetus for what we see to be a productive relationship with Paul and Barnabas. Here's the thought, though, I want to give you. When we look at Acts 13, 14, and 15, please put a pen in this. Productivity in a relationship is not protection from expiration date on a relationship. I can go home on that note. You are loyal to what feels good. And you think goodness means that it's permanent. <laughs> but God needs us to understand that my plan is not tied down to your feeling or desire for permanence. My plan and your purpose is not confined to what you think is predictability. So it can be productive, but it doesn't make it exempt from an expiration date. <sighs> That's good. It's easy. This is, this is why this message is so tricky, uh, Tony. Because it's easy to say, I'm cool when we got beef. It's easy to say, I see you when I see you when there's an issue. But when we have a whole lot of good memories together, do I still have the courage to say, I got to trust God? Even though we laughed a lot, even though we talked a lot, even though you trusted me, even though I trusted you, even though you have my back, even though I had yours, can we have the courage to lean into God's plan despite what feels comfortable, predictable, and promising because we desire permanence through loyalty? Can we still say, I'm cool? If you talk about me, that's easy. <laughs> if you don't come through for me, that's easy. But when you've proven to be a worthy ally, not assignment, Jared, they are allies. And in verse, in chapter 15, we see they separate. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm preparing our thinking without you really even knowing praying your thinking destiny because we assume that the good people in our lives that produce good fruit will always be there. 
That's a dangerous assumption to live by because you will, the disappointment will be more devastating because you assume they'd always be there. The Bible says for everything, there's a season. So their season in your life could be for several months. It could be for several years, but don't bake on consistency, meaning that they will die with you. Man, the overarching theme of this passage is so fascinating. And some of you may say, well, pastor, you don't understand how productive my relationships are. I'm a virtual bubble. And I'm going to show you what productivity is in Acts 13 and 14. The, the, the scripture reveals that there are so many reasons why they could have worked. They should have worked it out. But they didn't. Let's look at Acts 13, 42 through 44. As Paul and Barnabas left the synagogue that day, the people begged them to speak about these things again the next week. Many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, and the two men urged them to continue to rely on the grace of God. Listen to this. The following week, almost the entire city turned out to hear them preach the word of the Lord. You talk about productivity. Here's our first point. These two individuals walked in purpose together. Cam, they didn't just hang out. They were living in purpose together. We ain't talking about Friday night fellowships. We ain't talking about turning up. These individuals were locked in. They were turning every city they went into upside down. We here. We here to save souls. We here to deliver. We here to set people free. We here to tell you about the good news of Jesus Christ. And as a believer, this is the highest level of achievement. To share the gospel in a way that the entire city is like, yo, I want to hear more about that. These brothers are lockstep with each other. And they, there's, no, there's no sense of a weak link here either. There's a time where Paul steps up. There's a time for Barnabas to step up. And then there are times where the Bible uses the pronoun they to suggest they in lockstep with each other. You're getting a double dose of power here. And these individuals, there is no training here. There is no, hey, let me give you some feedback here. These individuals are dogs. And the church is growing rapidly because of their commitment and dedication to sharing the good news. They are experiencing and walking in purpose together. Together, Isn't it something when we have people in our lives that we can experience fulfillment together? It ain't you celebrating for me. It's not me praying for you. It's us rejoicing together because God is doing something together in our lives. It's one thing for, for Oak to get the job. Hey, congrats, Oak. But, but, but when Oak and Griff are both being raised up in Jesus' name, we get, yo, man, this happened to you. This happened to me. This happened to me. This happened to you. Man, let's keep going. I'm excited to see what God is doing in our lives. Not, man, I can't wait till God does something in your life. God is doing something in our lives together as we strive for purpose. So it's a different type of connection here when we going up in Jesus' name together. So again, you may say, I've been that. I got that in a homie. We got some good memories together. Cool. I'm going to hit you with something else. Let's look at the next scripture. Verse 4, 6, 13, and 14 says, So Barnabas and Saul were sent out by the Holy Spirit. They went down to the seaport of Seleucia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Afterward, they traveled from town to town across the entire island until finally they reached Paphos. Paul and his companions then left Paphos by ship for Pamphylia, landing at the port town of Perga. There, John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem, but Paul and Barnabas traveled inland to Antioch of Pisidia. Here's our next one, productivity. They spent time together. 
You may be thinking, man, I've known them from elementary school. I've known them since uh, middle school. I've known them since high school. I've known them since college. But you ain't going through nothing. These brothers were hanging together, but they were going through some things. Go ahead, Thomas. I'm going to show you this map here. Uh, and, and I'm going to point as much as I can. All eyes on this screen right here. Uh, this is where, right here, they started in Antioch. They got on a boat together and said, look, we're going to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. At this point, it's Paul, Barnabas, and John Mark, the assistant. Barnabas is cousin. That's very important in this message too. They, they, They take sail to share the good news, and they're on this island, and they're jumping from town to town in Cyprus. It is in Cyprus that I just told you that Paul and Barnabas meet opposition from this false prophet. They continue on their way, Cyprus to Pamphylia, and on this boat ride, something very interesting happens. And again, this is not in scripture. I'm using my imagination. I imagine they are reflecting on what just happened. I imagine they are reflecting on what's about to come potentially. And the assistant John Mark is is, is listening to this conversation. Hold on. This is just our first stop. And we've already encountered a false prophet named Bar-Jesus. And we were rebuked. And while I'm your assistant and I want to continue to serve, I don't know if I'm built for this. I don't, I don't know if I'm really cut out for what lies ahead because this is just stop number one. It ain't stop number four or number five and I'm exhausted and I'm experiencing spiritual fatigue. This is just stop number one, Shonda. This is stop number one. And, and, and while we're trying to, ooh, this is good. I'm trying to spend time with you to develop a sense of trust and reliability because time creates a sense of predictability and reliability. And if you prove yourself reliable, that means that you're loyal. And if you're loyal, that means I could be vulnerable with you. But John Mark, you cut out on us to, to have these opportunities together. I, I want to build relationship with you, with John Mark, but John Mark, your, your decision to leave us makes it hard for me to trust you. So they arrive up here to Pamphylia, and the Bible says that when they arrive, John Mark gets his own boat, and he heads back to Jerusalem. Watch this. Sometimes fear, we will embrace the inconvenience of fear than trying to figure it out when it makes sense to figure it out. So I'm going to go back to Jerusalem. By my, look how far that is to go from Pamphylia up here all the way by boat to Jerusalem. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is not Royal Caribbean. (laughs) There is no dance floor on 414. There is no buffet where it's a theme night every week. This is a long journey. And John Mark says, I'd rather in this season of my life take this inconvenient journey alone because of fear then stick it out with two dogs that I said I would assist. Ooh, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. The lonely journey that fear will have you on, this is for somebody when you don't have to be. The Bible didn't say that Paul and Barnabas said, kick rocks, you weak, you soft. The Bible said John Mark left them. So you tell them, hold on. So when we get to Pamphylia, you going back to the crib? You going home? Yeah, I'm, 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 I'll, I'll pray for you though. <laughs> I'll pray, I'll pray for you. And Paul and Barnabas continue their journey without him. 
They continue their journey, and you can't see it, but I'm going to read it to you. And when they, Once they land in Pamphylia, and as they jump through Iconium, Pisidia, Derbe, uh, Lystra, uh, the Bible says that they received op- opposition from the Jewish folks. Uh, they were threatened to be killed. Uh, Paul and Barnabas mistaken for gods, and Paul was stoned. Uh, these are the things that they experienced along the way that John Mark said, I'm not taking a part in any of that. He left. He robbed himself of an opportunity to spend time together. And I imagine that it is in this moment that Paul and Barnabas, the time spent together means more because they know what abandonment feels like. The time together that we have now is more precious because we both know what it's like to be left. Here's our next scripture. Saul, also known as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit, and he locked, this is what I was talking about earlier, he looked the sorcerer in the eye, then he said, you son of the devil, full of every sort of deceit and fraud, an enemy of all that is good, will you never stop perverting the true ways of the Lord? Watch now, for the Lord has laid his hand of punishment upon you, and you will be struck blind. You will not see the sunlight for some time. Instantly, mist and darkness came over the man's eyes. Here's another uh, area for productivity. These two brothers experienced spiritual warfare together. Aisha, they looked this uh, demonic man in the eyes and said, you are under the influence of the enemy, particularly Paul, and he rebukes him. He rebukes him in the name of the Lord and he becomes blind. The spiritual warfare in this context, generally speaking, it represents conflict that we endure with our fellow brother or sister. The individuals who stand with us in the face of adversity, in the face of opposition, and we experience victories for those things that look like presumable failures. When you go through things, not just spending time with you, but as I spend time with you, we're facing blow after blow after blow, but we survive. So we ain't just spending time together, we're becoming survivors together. I know that I have credibility. Our resume together is, I don't know what I can do by myself yet, but my resume with you is quite impressive because we are survivors. Not just, oh man, like somebody took my lunch money and I gave you a quarter so you can get fruit snacks. I'm talking about facing being stoned, facing people lying on you, facing people when they see you coming, they don't want to hear what you got to say because you're a threat to their agenda and they do what they can literally to kill you and destroy you, but they say, we are survivors. And some of us, we have, and I am not a psychologist, but there's an interesting term that exists in the field of psychology called trauma bonding. Where you keep people around longer than they need to be because you have bonded through trauma. I am, mm, y'all know what I want to say right now. I am teaching today. (laughs) You can't figure out why you can't cut them loose is because the very thing that linked you together was in a low season of your life. And everybody around you left and they were struggling and you were struggling or they were there every step of the way. They never gave up on you. They never judged you. They never talked about you. And when you were resurrected out of your situation, they were still there and you leaned on them through tragedy. So something that was meant for a season, you were their assignment for a season, you're keeping them beyond their expiration date, and you can't figure out why you are no longer productive in your function as a team. Trauma bonding. Trauma bonding. You're not any less of a survivor, I want to make that clear, but your survival season is over with. Now you got to figure out how to do some things on your own. 
You got to figure out how to navigate the world on your own now or with a new group of folks. Next. While they were at Lystra, Paul and Barnabas came upon a man with crippled feet. He had been that way from birth, so he had never walked. He was sitting and listening as Paul preached, looking straight at him. Paul realized he had faith to be healed, so Paul called him to a loud voice, stand up. And the man jumped to his feet and started walking. Last one, they performed miracles together. Now, when you think about your relationships with folks that you feel like you can't let go of, I guarantee you have not walked in purpose this way. I guarantee you have not spent this kind of time together. I guarantee you have not endured this type of spiritual warfare together, and I, the chances are you have not performed a miracles together with this person. So if these individuals can experience this type of productivity for a season, and they still cut each other loose, what makes us think we can't move on when it's time? This is Paul's first mission trip. Months out. Months This ain't a little cut. Again, this is not a seven-day cruise. They're out in the trenches for months. And somehow, someway, despite the productivity and the predictability and the promise of permanence, these individuals say, we got to end here. I'm going to set the stage for us in Acts chapter 15, now that I've caught us up to speed. Acts chapter 15, we open up with a couple brothers who are not Paul and Barnabas. It's very important. We got a couple individuals who are talking about this concept called circumcision. It was an act that people had to go through to honor uh, or pay homage to the old law, the law of Moses. And these individuals are saying that, man, in order to be saved, you must be circumcised. Paul and Barnabas get word and say, no, 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 no. Let me tell you something called grace. Jew or Gentile, it's not about going through the motion of the law. It's about believing in the one who saved all mankind, served all mankind, and gave us the opportunity to be saved through him. His name is Jesus Christ, by the grace of God. So Paul and Barnabas, they show up and shut it down. All this circumcision talk, they shut it down. And then the church of that, where they were, released them to go to Jerusalem. Hey, man, this is great. Y'all ministry is banging. Y'all killing it. Y'all, ra- y'all, y'all, y'all healing folks. Y'all rebuking folks. You're sharing the good news. Go to Jerusalem. And Paul and Barnabas say, bet, we can go to Jerusalem. And they share, they continue to share the good news. And then a Pharisee stands up in the synagogue and he says, talk to us about circumcision. Imagine right now me preaching and one of you jokers got up and said, what about circumcision? (laughs) Paul and Barnabas said, "Uh, hey man, da-da-da-da-da-da, they they shut it down. And Peter jumps in, Peter says, no, 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 let me tell you, I got this, brothers. Peter speaks up, he says, we know that Jew and Gentile have been saved, can be saved because of Jesus Christ. It's not about the act of circumcision. It's about circumcision of the heart. Gives a dope sermon. And Paul and Barnabas, appreciate that, bruh. They continue on. And then the Bible talks about some other brothers who who start to be raised up. And they settle in where they are now, continuing to share the good news. Verse 13, kill, I mean, chapter 13, killing it. Chapter 14, killing it. 15, killing it. We got opposition, but we good. Conflict, but we good. God has not let us down. God has not filled us. Acts 13, Acts 14, Acts 15, man, we killing it. Ministry is off the chain. Whatever God wants me to do, I'm feeling it. Man, we killing it. We in the zone. We in the mode. And then we see verse 36. 
After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. We've done this before. Let's go back and, and go check on some folks. Let's strengthen them. Let's empower them. Let's remind them to keep the good fight. We see this in Acts, I believe, 14, where they go back and encourage and empower. So let's do that. This is not unfamiliar to us, Cam. We've, we've done this before. Barnabas said, let's get it. But I want to bring little cuz with me. Now, y'all know I confess sometimes. Scripture does not indicate who's right or wrong, and I'm explain why in a second. But if I'm honest, I lean more towards Paul. I imagine in this conversation, Barnabas said, yeah, we can go, but he slid it in there. You know how people just try to slide stuff in there? <laughs> he said, yeah, yeah, we can go, but I'm bringing John, John Mark. Bring John Mark. What'd you say? I'm bringing John Mark. Let's go. When you want to leave? When you want to leave? <laughs> he says, I'm bringing John Mark, little cuz. And scripture doesn't indicate this, but, but me, John, like your cousin, John Mark? And we living in the Bible days. There's a lot of Marks running around here. You talking, talking about your cousin, John Mark? Yeah, my cousin, John Mark. Yeah, John, John, y'all petty over here. Let me do that. <laughs> I see you got a Paul spirit over here. We got a Paul spirit. But Paul disagreed, not just disagreed, strongly. Why? Because John Mark had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them. I'm going to put my own little flavor on it when it got hard. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. God showed me some interesting things about this dynamic here. We're going to look at a couple ideas here to reveal what can lead to this moment in our lives with productive relationships, but life after we leave. Here's the first thing that I want to reveal to you. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how the new believers are doing. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. Here's the first area of conflict. Sometimes we can have the right mission, but the wrong method. We agree on the mission. Let's save these. Let's go talk to these brothers. Let's encourage these brothers in the Lord. That's the mission. But sometimes we have conflict with individuals because of the method. I can agree on the destination where we're going, but we may not agree how we're going to get there. I, I need something that's a little different from what you're preferring right now. And, and, and this is the other way I could put it. Uh, we can agree on the what, but sometimes the how is a deal breaker. Yeah. We, there, fundamentally, there's nothing wrong with what it is that we both want to accomplish, what we both aspire to atta- obtain. But, but how you want to get there, therein lies the problem. And that's a deal breaker for me. It ain't that I think I'm better than you. It ain't that I want you to think you better than me. It's that how you want to get there is not appealing to me. Right mission, but the wrong method in my opinion. 
I want to spend a little more time talking about this idea of opinion, uh, um, uh, um, uh, what we desire. Let's look at verse 37 and 38. Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark, but Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and Pamphylia and had not continued to work with them, uh, continue with them in their work. Here, so we got method and mission and then opposing perspectives. Now, I want to sit in this for a little bit. Both of these individuals are believers, and I love how the word of God here shows us, proves to us that believers don't have to agree on everything. Sometimes the root of our disagreement is not because of you, it's because my perspective and my experiences have led me to believe in something different. Let me break this down to you. Paul is not looking for an assignment, he's looking for an ally. Paul says, you want an assignment, I want an ally. I've been through too much to still trying to be coach folks. I've been through too much to mentor the person who didn't want to be mentored round one. I've seen too much. I've survived too much. And here's the thing. Ooh, watch this. If we're honest with ourselves, it's, to, it's one thing to know I can survive without you when you left me. Can I keep it at a buck with you this morning? It's harder to extend grace to folks when they can't be a guarantee. You have the opportunity to be a guarantee in my life, but you left me and now you want to come back and ask for grace. I don't have that kind of time. I need an ally, not another assignment. Look, man, I I, I don't think I'm better than you, but but I, I can't trust you. I don't know, God, God can have a plan for your life, God can have great things for you, but not on my watch. And Paul says, no, excuse me, Barnabas, what's interesting about this dynamic here, Barnabas obviously is a patient man. He says, I don't need guarantees, I deserve or he deserves to experience grace. You see a problem, Paul but I see potential. (laughs) I know my little cousin. (laughs) I know how bad, excuse me, I know what he desires. I know what I see in him. I know what he desires to become. I know how much he loves the Lord. I know what he aspires to be. And it's my job to give him the opportunity to fail with a safety net than on his own because I've abandoned him. And here's the interesting thing. (laughs) This is the same Barnabas. If you know Acts chapter 9, talked about this a few weeks ago, Paul is suffering from a severe case of spiritual amnesia. It is in Acts chapter 9 where Paul was still saw, and he was trying to find his rhythm as a convert, and share the gospel. Remember I taught y'all, the disciples didn't want to rock with him. And remember I said you could be the one? That one was Barnabas. When, When Saul was on an island by himself, figuratively speaking, and he wanted a chance, he wanted an opportunity that he was legit, that he was converted, that he was authentic, and the disciples was like, nah, bro, you got a hidden agenda. You try to take our lives. It was a Barnabas who stepped in. I wonder in the argument, if Barnabas brought that to Paul's attention. Uh, 
King James Version, oh, hast thou forgotten? <laughs> Meat on the grill, they going, he's talking about, hast thou forgotten? Paul, I'm the one that when nobody else believed God was real to you, I put my neck on the line for you. Paul, I was the one, and I'm not throwing it in your face to, to minimize you, to undermine you, but I'm bringing it back, bringing you back to what it was. Uh, could it be that the chance that you got from me, this is good, was preparation for the chance John Mark needs to be who he called to be? I was modeling for you in real time grace. Oh, this is good. It could be that the pass that you got from them was not for you only. It was preparing you to give the next person a pass when they needed it. Mm. So so imagine they're going back and forth. And here's the interesting thing, man. When we are at odds with someone, despite how productive it once was, perspective is powerful. Paul is saying, I can't rock with you because I can't trust who you choose to hang with. But Barnabas, potentially, he interpreted Paul's perspective to be, well, I can't rock with you because you can't trust me enough to bring him with us. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it again. Paul saying, "I, I can't rock with you because I can't trust who you hang with. Barnabas says, well, I can't rock with you because you don't trust me enough to bring him with us. I'm an educator. I'm going to say it one more time. Third time's a charm. If I am taking things personally, I can misinterpret the perspective. Paul said, look, man, um, I get it. But ultimately, I can't roll with you because you're rolling with him. Choose a side. Barnabas says, gladly, I would choose him because I'm offended that you don't trust me enough to bring him along. Perspective. So really the fundamental issue here, one could make a claim within the context of a relationship, it's a T. The word begins with a T. Trust. I can't trust that we'll get done what needs to get done because of who you're bringing along. I'm looking for something missional in the assignment he gave, but you're trying to combine a mission in this boy who left us. That's not my assignment. It's not my assignment. So you can go with him, and I'm going to go this way, and there are no hard feelings. And then there's life after they leave. This is going to encourage some of us verse 39 and 40, and I'm going to get out your way. I got a couple more thoughts, and I'm going to get out your way. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. This is going to deliver somebody. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, and as he left, the believers entrusted him to the Lord's gracious care. Life after they leave, here's the first thing that you need to understand you can still be productive without certain people. Some of us tie productivity to a person. 
But God is not confined to one person as a source for your productivity. I'm going to say that again. God in his infinite wisdom, his infinite power, he is not confined to one person for you to experience productivity. He is bigger than that. This is true not just in romantic relationships. This is true in non-romantic relationships, spiritual relationships, workplace relationships. When we think about the relationships in our lives and the sense of safety and comfort that we have within the relationship because this person has proven to be productive, as long as we are with them, we experience productivity, I should say. We feel like we can't move on because we're afraid of going backwards. Barnabas took John Mark and Paul chose Silas. Here's the point that I want to make, particularly with this scripture, is Barnabas and Paul prove in the word of God that you can move on and still experience productivity without the people you associate productivity to be with. If we're honest, man, that's why we're afraid to move on. That's why we're afraid to cut ties because I won't ever experience this again. That, that, that we, we had our differences in this one thing that uh, we extend the season longer than it should be. And it was in that one conversation. You had 28 other great conversations, but it was in that one conversation that revealed that it's time to move on. And you're still trying to stick around because you're afraid that your productivity and your promise is tied to one person. Can you move on? when it's uncertain that you can be productive without them? Can you move on when you're not certain that you can have a sense of identity and effectiveness without them? Can you move on when God is saying, move, 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 I'm not showing you what's next. Can you move anyways when you're going into territory that's scary, unfamiliar, because I done been through some things and this person was with me every step of the way and now you're telling me to fight these demons and these giants all by myself. I don't know if I can do it because I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid because if I'm honest, oh, this is good. Some of my identity and purpose was shaped through them. My sense of fulfillment. This is my first mission, Paul. This is my first missionary assignment, Paul. What I've experienced, the things that I've, the fulfillment that I associate, particularly with on this assignment, it's because of Bar Barnabas was the one that gave me a chance in Acts chapter 9. Yeah. Barnabas was the one who spoke into my life, who spoke on my behalf. Barnabas, I got to move on. There's a Barnabas. There's a Paul in some of our lives and we're afraid to move on without them, and we can't see who God has already assigned to us, you think you just met them randomly in Walmart? No, they're the next phase of your season. They're the person you need in the next phase or next season. You're not just drawn to them randomly. God has strategically placed them in your life because he knows in about a week it's over with. God knows. God knows. You know, Silas, he's not just randomly here. God knew that he was going to need someone when it fell apart. Man, this, this, really gonna, this next one is going to really knock your socks off. Come on, come on, put your hands 
Hey everyone, I hope you are enjoying this message. Before you hear the latter part of this message, I want to tell you how you can give and support our ministry. Go to our website, redemptionchurchfw.com and hit the give button. Whatever you give will help us spread the gospel. Whatever you give will help us do what we need to do in our community to continue to advance the kingdom of God. We love you and we thank you and enjoy the remainder of this message. God bless. Acts 16, 1, 4, and 5. Paul went first to Derbe and then to Lystra, where there was a young disciple named Timothy. Then they went from town to town, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in their faith. Hold on. Paul went. This is immediately after Acts chapter 15. Him and Silas, they encounter a young disciple named Timothy. I'm setting you up for something. I'm splitting from Barnabas. Lord, I'll take Silas with me. Cool. Paul and Silas, y'all go in the next chapter of your life. Literally, you'll meet a young man by the name of Timothy. Then they went from town to town, instructing they, Paul, Silas, Timothy, instructing the believers to follow the decisions made by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem. So the churches with Paul, Silas, and Timothy, so the churches were strengthened in their faith and grew larger every day. Here's our next point, life after, the, after they leave. Sometimes division must precede multiplication. In order to be a recipient of the multiplication seasons of my life, I got to divide myself from you. Now, if I'm not a mathematician, I'm a linguist, but I'm not a mathematician. So if my math is wrong, help me out. It was Paul and Barnabas. Paul was by himself for a moment, Silas, and then God added one more, Timothy. Now, if my math serves me correctly, two is fewer than three. The three of them together outside of Paul and Barnabas as a unit multiplied the church with one more added. Here's here's what I'm telling you. Sometimes your greater success must come preceded by a split. I have to experience those seasons of less before I can walk in the more. So you afraid of losing something, but God is saying, I'm trying to multiply. I'm not just adding, I'm multiplying something. You afraid of breaking ties, but I'm going to reconnect you in a greater way with people that are going to do even a greater work through you. Yeah, you you don't want to leave them. Yeah, you don't want to feel weak. You don't want to feel disloyal, but I'm going to give you more if you be okay with less for a little while. And you afraid to separate. And separation is the key to greater success. <laughs> Not just success. God didn't just say you just keep on rolling the same way, Larry East. No, you're going to roll with more. Yeah. I'm going to give you an extra homie to roll with you who will be a spiritual son. Ooh, ooh this just hit me. The very thing he didn't want to be, oh, this is good. He didn't want to be for Barnabas, or not Barnabas, but for John Mark. The very thing he didn't want to be for John Mark, God destined for him to become for Silas and Timothy. <sighs> the Bible refers to Paul and Timothy to be a spiritual father-son dynamic. 
the beat of your own drum. One way or another, you're going to know what it's like to feel for someone else's pain. You're going to know what it's like to make mistakes as a mentee. You're going to know what it's like to give them grace as a mentor. You're going to know what it's like to project my unconditional love when they have the best intentions and fail over and over and over again. There is no way to escape what I've destined for you. So if it's through John Mark, if it's through Ray Ray, if it's through Bonquifa, I'm going to give you what you need to be the man I've called you to be. Oh, this is good. Holy Spirit, you clowning today. Watch this. Watch this. There is, oh, this is good, Rochelle. You ready for this? There, there, there is more that Paul experiences externally, and then there is more that Paul experiences within his purpose internally. I have become a better man because I played this role in Timothy and Silas's life. I've mastered moving by myself. But now I'm a better master. I'm a greater master when I learn how to move with other people who don't know how to move yet. (laughs) Oh, man, that's good. That's good. You're afraid to move on and you don't realize that is the key to unlock the greater version of you. (laughs) But I can't multiply in my internal purpose until I divide, separate myself, split from certain people in my life. Man, I hope I'm helping you. <laughs> God is amazing, man. So, so you may be wondering, poor John Mark. What happened to John Mark? We'll see in 2 Timothy, this is bonus material. Because... Many of us know what it feels like to be rejected, to drop the ball, even with the best of intentions. Paul said, I'm off you, bro. Y'all kick rocks. I'm moving on. 2 Timothy 4, 9 through 13, Paul is writing a letter to his spiritual son. He says, Timothy, please come as soon as you can. Paul's in a low state, physically, not necessarily spiritually. At this point, he's been in prison, beaten time and time again. In verse 10, he says, Damas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life. Uh, Thank you, Holy Spirit. Crescens has gone and Titus has gone. Only Luke is with me. Bring Mark with you when you come. For he will be helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, be sure to bring the coat I left with Carpus and Troas. Also bring my books and especially my papers. Here's our bonus thought, and I'm going to talk to us about this. Mark's rejection isn't permanent. Paul finds it in himself, in a low state, in a season of abandonment. Damas, gone. Crescens, gone. Titus, gone. Luke is the only one with me. And in writing this letter, I'm going to ask one more person to come. The very person I rejected, send them to me. Not because I'm desperate, 
but because you've trained, he's been trained in a way that he adds value to my ministry. Here's what I want to encourage the John Marks in the room. If this isn't your season of life where you feel like you quit before it was time, you gave up before it was time. Sometimes the rejection is the fuel for your restoration. And when you experience restoration, you appreciate it a lot more because you know what it's like to be rejected. You know what it's like to be questioned. You know what it's like to leave people hanging. So when you bounce back, you say, oh, I'm here and I ain't going nowhere. I've been through too much. People doubted me. People questioned me and I'm here. And Paul himself had to say, the same one I wrote off, send them to be my help. Send them to be my help. I'm, I'm in the latter part of my life. I don't know how much time I got left. I'm in, a, I'm, I'm in a struggling season of my life. And people are leaving me left and right. But send Mark. Send Mark. Here's the thing what I want to encourage you, John Mark. Thank, the, 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 um, metaphorically speaking, uh, when, when God sends you to the people who rejected you, this is where we really understand the type of person you are. This is a download for somebody. <laughs> You itching, waiting, Chanel, for the phone call to show them that you made it. But when you show up, can you show up with a haughty heart or a humble heart? Well, you rejected me several years ago. Let me remind, I still got the text. It motivated me. I put your quote on my mirror. I want to let you know what you did to me. Or can we just show up and say, how can I help you? Can I just show up and say, I'm here to serve? And I imagine in the spiritual realm that some of us got the apology altogether, but if you're real humble, no apology needed. How can I help? <laughs> no apology needed. I'm here to serve. No apology needed. In fact, it helped me more than you thought. You didn't know any better at the time. I'm not going to hold your old self against your current self right now. I'm here. How can I help? <laughs> How can I serve? Because, and Paul has to be, ooh, this is good. He has to be humble enough to say, I need his help. Man, here's our big idea. Somebody said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes you must move on even when the good outweighs the bad. Man, I think we can agree that Paul and Barnabas had a wonderful run as preachers and teachers of the gospel. And according to scripture, Corbin, it was that one conflict between the two of them that ended the deal. One. So the good in the most literal sense, I guess it's figuratively, good outweighed the bad. But they moved on anyways. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Redemption Church of Fort Wayne, Indiana's audio podcast with Pastor Khalid Griffin. Tune in every Monday morning and don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, and share with others. Until next week, stay blessed. Stay blessed. Stay blessed.